Hi, this is Laura with Kick-Ass in Life, where I help you get hired fast, be smart with money, and be a happier and healthier you. Today's episode is a lot about getting hired fast and then also making the money you deserve. But before I dive in to my interview with Laura Meyer, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the month of September and the beginning of fall, which I absolutely love. I'm obsessed with fall. And when the air cools down, it's a little crisper out, I'm wearing my jacket, I'm thinking about going back to school, even though I am no longer in school. But that feeling of returning to work is very real. Even though I don't go to school anymore, I want to continue to learn and continue to thrive both in my career and my personal life. And one way I'm doing that is by constantly learning. So whether it be reading or pursuing some of other passions, including watercolors, I absolutely thrive on learning something new. And I know you do too, which is why I was able to get you a full month of streaming classes through Skillshare. So Skillshare is a site you can take any classes from tech to art to design to business. There's about 18,000 classes on there. And so I want to give you a free month. So to get that, go to kickassin.life forward slash tools forward slash partners, and you'll get a link to sign up for one free month of of streaming classes, which which is great because you're your best advocate and you're the person who's going to really drive your learning. And so I would use this time of after Labor Day to reinvest in yourself, reinvest in your work, and reinvest in your creativity. And I think it'll pay huge dividends. All right. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest for today, Laura Meyer, who is the founder and CEO of a startup which helps companies with their Amazon strategy. She originally moved to New York without a job and strategically found opportunities through networking, cold calls, and eventually she found her way to Amazon where she learned as much as she could. And each step along the way allowed her to be able to have the confidence and ability to start and run her own successful business called Envision Horizons, which she started at age 25 and is a thriving company today. In this episode, we talk about how to shamelessly network, how to kick ass in the interview process with a great hint. If you do what she says in this interview, you're probably going to get the job and how to create such a good impression in that interview that not only will they want to hire you, but they'll want to pay you what you're worth. You have to find that area where you are willing to put in the hours that are needed and be in an environment where there's going to be good days and bad days. That's life. Uh, But at the end of the day, when you think of your general conclusion of the career you're in, do you want to kick ass in it? And if the answer is no, then there's no shame in exploring other opportunities. She also shares what she looks for in candidates when making hiring decisions when it comes to resumes, presentation skills, and getting noticed. If you want to get past the black hole of applications and get hired fast, this episode is for you. Let's dive in. We were connected through a mutual friend through the power of networking, which I know we'll talk a little bit more about that, which is so cool to meet all these different people that way. Um, And so I was so happy to chat with you further because you've had a really interesting career path. Um, But why don't you tell me about what you're working on at Envision Horizons? Absolutely. Uh, So I am the founder and CEO of Envision Horizons. And we are an Amazon advertising and strategy firm based here in New York City. 
And we help brands fully operate their Amazon business, similar to how a brand would operate their own e-commerce site. So we take off their hands the needed bandwidth to run and manage their Amazon advertising, as well as inventory forecasting, their SEO, because at the end of the day, Amazon is a search engine. And if your products cannot be discovered, it's going to be very hard to have and meet the sales goals that many clients have or many brands have. Very cool. Yeah, that sounds really that sounds really interesting. And I'm I know that that is sort of tied into you arrived on that path sort of um, kind of strategically through a lot of different interesting um, job experience that you had. So talk to me about how you first got started in your career and then made the move to New York. Yes. Well, I like to think that my career really got started at the age of eight. (laughs) I grew up working in my father's hardware store in Michigan. And in many ways, my retail career started at the young age of helping my brothers who were older than me bag items while they were running the cash register. Uh, But throughout adolescence and high school and and college, I continued to have a pulse on retail. And after college, uh, I moved to New York City, which we'll get into a little bit later. And I took an internship because I was very set on being in New York. And one thing that I think is really important for kids fresh out of college is reflecting and making sure that that first job you get is is aligned with what you want for your career and not just taking any job that comes their way. And so I was actually in New York for a good six months before I landed my first real corporate job uh, with Amazon's media group. And then from there, I had this amazing learning opportunity working for the retail giant. Uh, I'm so grateful for everyone I met while working at Amazon, as well as just the experience to be working both in New York and spending a good amount of time in Seattle. Uh, And then I moved to another ad tech company where I also learned an incredible amount. And I actually brought Amazon on as a client for this ad tech company, which was a very big feat for a 24, 25 year old at the time. Uh, And then in 2017, I launched and started Envision Horizons. Well, congratulations. I think that is such a wonderful path that led you, um, that you started and found yourself on. Um, and I do think like entrepreneurship starts at a young age. If you grow up in a family where you're exposed to it, um, I was as well. And so, um, I attribute a lot of that success to sort of how I was raised when my dad was teaching me how to, my brother and I had to have a curb painting business. Um, Love it. But, <laughs> so talk to me, when when you were in that, that first job, you mentioned that you said it was important to find a job that was aligned with your career. But what if you're just starting out and maybe you're not totally sure what that career path is that you want? What would be some recommendations you have for somebody that's finding themselves in that position of, I'm really good at a lot of different things, but how do I focus on the thing I should be pursuing? Absolutely. And I like to say you don't know what you don't know. And getting out there and really 
experiencing several industries and um, one thing that was advice that was given to me when I was a senior in college and this is advice I even tell those who've interned for me or I'll, I'll, I still have great relationships with some of my professors from college and they'll connect me with students who moved to New York is to take every single interview that you receive. I took interviews that everything from financial software companies to recruiting companies to uh, business development for app, uh, mobile applications. And by doing as many interviews as you can possibly get within that senior year, but also afterwards, it really opens your eyes to industries you likely had no idea existed. And it allows you to reflect more of, okay, uh, I am not only interviewing, or they're not only interviewing me, but I'm also interviewing them for what I want. And I do think there's that balance of, especially when you're getting off the ground, you do have to have some humility. The world isn't there to give everything to you on a silver platter. But you have to find that area where you are willing to put in the hours that are needed and be in an environment where there's going to be good days and bad days. That's life. Uh, But at the end of the day, when you think of your general conclusion of the career you're in, do you want to kick ass in it? And if the answer is no, then there's no shame in exploring other opportunities. Absolutely. And I think it is so important to what you what you say is true is that take any opportunity to interview because you'll learn a little bit more about what you like to do. You'll also mm-hmm. just be a better interviewer, interviewee as you do more of them and understand um, kind of the formula for how to sort of thrive in that interview. Um, and I think some some something that's really hard is sort of getting to that interview stage for an actual job. So trying to find ways about um, doing informational interviews, doing cold reach outs to people in order to find um, connections that you can can speak to. But what are some other ways that you can stand apart in order to Absolutely. land that I first job? have a lot of advice when it comes to interviewing and, and getting in the front door. And so the biggest thing is to be a shameless networker. The more people you know and the more genuine relationships that you build, I think some people think, or networking can sometimes have a negative connotation that it typically means someone is looking to gain something from someone else. But in many ways, those relationships should be mutually beneficial. And it's amazing now that I've now been in New York City for a little over five years now, and it's incredible to see how people who I met very early in my career and early in New York City, how things have come full circle where I'm now in a position to help them and to just make sure that you maintain those relationships that you receive. Now, what I will say is when it comes to being a shameless networker, I really mean be shameless. And one, I had a professor in college who I will give him full credit. He gave us this, I think, extremely applicable assignment. It was one of my entrepreneurship professors. 
where our senior year, we were required to reach out to a number of alumni from a university and have a call with them, or if they were in the area, have coffee with them. And that really broke down that fear of, I think you can be concerned of, am I pestering this person? And it just, you're putting yourself out there, you're becoming vulnerable. And that was a tactic that actually helped me land my first job with Amazon was I had gone on LinkedIn and I found this woman, Nina, who I'm actually having lunch with next week. We still have an amazing relationship. And I cold messaged her on LinkedIn because we had two mutual connections. And I asked her, I go, I've found this job with Amazon's media group. I see that you've worked there for a year and I would love to connect either by phone or over coffee to hear about your experience. And if you have any advice and through that connection, and by the way, I maybe I won't admit this to her, but she wasn't the only person I reached out to either. <laughs> you have to take it. You have to throw a few, uh, throw out a few chances. Exactly. To, yeah. to have something that sticks. And as a result, she ended up referring me internally. And I got that first phone interview with the HR team and things progressed from there. And it obviously worked out for the best. Yeah, congratulations. I mean, I think that is really great advice and something we talk about a lot on the podcast is how mm -hmm. to network the right way. Um, you know, and so I think it is okay to reach out to somebody cold on LinkedIn and but the way to do it is strategically by aligning yourself to what they uh what their expertise is and being genuine and what you what you asked for was their time and advice and nothing more. Um, and I'm sure you also offered to help them rather than just like, okay, I just like, how, uh, is there a job available? Um, do you have any information <laughs> about jobs? Because that's such a closed door because if they don't, then you, you, they don't really want to spend the time talking to you. But if you're curious, you ask smart questions, you just want to learn about their experience. Um, it can build a connection and that connection can then turn into a job. So I think that that was a really smart approach and one that, that people Absolutely. need to do more of. And I think it, it, it's really important to make a conscious effort to keep those in the loop who help you too. So if someone makes an introduction for you and you meet with that person and the meeting goes well, it's really courteous to send a note to the original connector thanking them, letting them know that you met with that person and that there was this outcome. And even if it doesn't end up into, or it doesn't result into a job, at least they know that you appreciated that effort and they're going to be more willing to help you again in the future. Absolutely. So after your time at Amazon and um, the other marketing agency, how did you know it was time for you to create your own opportunity? I always had an entrepreneurial itch and there were a lot of things that went into play in lighting that initial spark to go after it. Uh, I, For one, the concept of my business really did come about when I worked for Amazon and I worked for this other ad tech company for a little over a year 
And I was really seeing that the opportunity to jump on this was in the now, uh, back in end of 2016, early 2017, um, as well as there were a few things uh, with the company that I worked for that didn't align with what I was aspiring for. And so I wanted to take the matters into my own hands. And I will say I was 25 years old when I started Envision Horizons, which it's always interesting to reflect on all of that because at the time you think you're of age, like you know everything. Not that I think, thought I knew everything, but I, in many ways, the naiveness that I had in that moment, I think is a really large benefit because when starting a business and going out on your own, there, there's just immense stress that you can't even predict. And I think knowing that going in could be more of a deterrent of following through with it. Whereas being that I was 25 and I was naive of some of the hurdles that I would end up running into uh, and, the, and the stresses, it at the end of the day, it, it is extremely rewarding. And really having the optimism and kind of the lack of knowledge in some ways, I think helped me in the long run as backwards as that sounds. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really true. Sometimes if we knew all of the details going in, we would never <laughs> take the leap. So sometimes it's good to just, you know, take the leap and see where it leads and and obviously you started in a smart way. You started small and then scaled from there, but I would encourage anybody who's sort of interested in, interested in starting something on their own to kind of take that little take that little step to, to get, to get started and see if you like it and want to spend more time doing it. Um, and then sort of feed the fire from there. Uh, but I think if we know, Oh, if we know all of the limitations before we start, then it'll just be too hard <laughs> to start. Cause we'll talk ourselves out of it and then we'll talk ourselves out of uh, many things. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, keeping that open-minded approach is, um, really smart if you're thinking about creating your own opportunity. Absolutely. And I, I also feel that in the current media ecosystem, entre entrepreneurship has been really glamorized. It's viewed as these, you know, these, these entrepreneurs are being put on a pedestal and they're raising millions and millions of dollars. But the reality is that is a very, very small percent of entrepreneurs out there. And I know that with my business, my business model is very stable and I have not taken any external funding. It's been built up organically. Uh, which in many ways is a different type of stress than if you're trying to fundraise and get investors. But on the flip side, I have full control over my business. I don't have to answer to investors and I can truly work on what is going to be aligned with my vision and also what's going to be best for my clients instead of what is best for my investors. Yeah, so smart. Um, I want to take a step back for mm -hmm. a second because also you moved to New York without a job, correct? <laughs> that is correct. 
Yeah. Um, and it took me about six months to find a full-time position. And I also moved to New York without a job. Um, it was a place I wanted to live. Uh, so I moved here and then kind of found a way through temping and freelancing and finding mm -hmm. whatever opportunities I could to make it work. Um, what was your move to New York like? And uh, how did you find um, how did you find opportunities? Clearly, you were networking. How did you uh, find that transition? Well, my first day officially living in New York City, I landed an internship with a small development shop that my role was essentially it was networking. It was it was a business development internship. And that was an amazing opportunity as well, because it forced me to get out and meet people in New York. And what an excellent setup for someone who is brand new, who is hungry, and who is still trying to find that right role is to, not that I was paid a lot, uh, but at least I was getting paid some, uh, to go out there and meet as many people as possible. And then what I will say is that internship lasted, I think, until about September. And I did feel a lot of pressure come September, October, even November, December, when I didn't have a job and I didn't have a lot of structure. And there was a period where I felt like I felt like a little bit of a failure because I had friends who, especially my friends from college who were either finance or accounting, or even some of my, I studied business marketing and entrepreneurship, even some of the other marketing students I went to college with, you know, they had very structured uh, career paths, even from the moment they graduated college, where they went to the career fair on the campus, they found a job in either Cincinnati or Chicago, uh, where here I am six months after or five months after graduation, and I still don't have that corporate job yet. But I really think that allowed me to, you know, the stars align and allowing me to find that job at Amazon, where I was the interview process, I believe started in, it was either October or early November. I and then I started in January. Uh, the one thing I will note is I think because of those pressures I had, I actually did accept another job with a startup in that time period. So I believe I started that other job in mid-November. And just my luck, that very first day at that company, I received the email from Amazon that they want to fly me out to Seattle for the final round interview. Because wow. <laughs> also interviewing with Amazon, it's about a three month process. It doesn't just happen overnight. And I think that's also another important lesson is when you feel those external pressures of, oh, I need a job. I, you know, everyone else is ahead of me or, and you're comparing yourself to others. You have to understand that big corporations don't move at your pace. <laughs> uh, and for them, hiring is a major investment, both in terms of the HR resources, but also they're going to be investing in you in the first six to 12 months before you're really able to have an ROI on your contribution to the company. And so I had accepted this other job, which 
also was an amazing company. The startup now, they've completely blown up and I'm so impressed by the success that they've had, but it just wasn't the role that I wanted. It was a software company within the hiring and recruiting industry, and it wasn't where my heart was at. And so once I got the full-time offer, uh, unfortunately, I, I had to resign with that company after only being there, I think, a month. Uh, but in many ways, I, I will say I feel those external pressures of having a job and being deemed as on the right path is what made me accept it uh, versus... And, and there's that balance too, because I you don't you also don't want to put all your eggs in one basket either. And I didn't know if Amazon was going to work out or not at that point. Right. And I think that you what, what there's a lot of great things about what you you said because I think a lot of us are in a, a place where we do compare ourselves to others. We compare ourselves if we're on the right path. Um, we see someone getting promoted ahead of us, or especially when you first graduate, you you see your friends getting getting jobs immediately, and you feel like, oh shoot, well I'm behind. Um, but mm-hmm. I think a more successful approach is kind of looking within as opposed to, to looking with outside of yourself. So looking within and seeing asking yourself what is really important to you and trying to find ways to improve you because that's the only thing that you can control in terms of, um, and then finding the path that make, that makes you feel like the most you, because yes, you accepted that job and, and it wasn't the right fit. And then you found this other opportunity that was a better fit. Um, because you were listening to yourself and, and what you needed at that time. So I think it is a really hard thing to do to try to just be, have your blinders on and look at your own path. But when, when you do that, you end up so much happier than trying to follow the, the quote unquote right path that everybody else is following. Absolutely. When I even, when I reflect on that two month period, even, I remember there was a job that I made it to the final round and I didn't get it. And in reality, it wasn't a job that was right for me. And I knew this, but I still felt a sense of hurt, even though I know it's not personal. And now at the point where I am hiring and managing people, it really is not personal at all. Uh, but I remember there was that hit to the ego a little bit as well as of, okay, well, why is it that I did, didn't get this job? And now I'm not making it past the final round and I still don't have a job. Uh, it's, it's hard to overcome those peaks and valleys, but that's also life. And especially in entrepreneurship, there are a lot of peaks and valleys and they're a lot more extreme than what my peace and values were back after I graduated college. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, and the more resilient you are, just it'll be easier to kind of ride those peaks and valleys through. So it's just a muscle that you work based off of um, how you deal with rejection, how you deal with setbacks, and you just get better and better over time at, at dealing with rejection and dealing with things that aren't going your way mm-hmm. so that you just become this like superpower human where you can just um, let things roll off of you a little bit more than taking everything so personally. Exactly. Um, my, my husband and I like to joke about transcending different hurdles in life. <laughs> whether, I love that. Yeah. whether it's investing in the stock market and Lord knows there's a lot of volatility there and just transcending that emotional feeling of losing money in the market 
or transcending a hurdle within the business um, or even transcending personal matter. Uh, you know, like one thing that I've really struggled with since starting a business is creating time for myself because I feel I owe a lot to my employees and also the clients. And as a result, I probably haven't taken as great of care of myself in terms of sleep, working out, even the food I eat. I used to be a big fitness fanatic and I would eat very, very healthy. But when you're busy and you're focus is on other things. Those things can usually be put on the back burner. Um, but it's transcending that of, okay, like there is a light at the end of this tunnel and I just have to suck it up and force myself to start working out again. Even if I'm only getting five hours of sleep a night, I just got to make it happen. <laughs> well, routines are so hard. I mean, it's, I, it's so much easier to do something. Um, every day than once in a while. So it is mm -hmm. about, but it just feel, you get this like sort of energy once you're already in a flow. Um, but getting started, it takes so much more energy than keeping something going. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. But it's always the, the <laughs> that's always the process that it's hard um, to do. So one question for you, since you're now, um, you know, you're running your business and you mentioned you hire people like who are the type of people that you're, that when you look at their resume, you're like, yes, I want this person. Um, versus, and then also like on the flip side, um, what kind of turns you off from certain candidates? Great question. The first thing I look at, and maybe this is because I am a visual person, is the formatting of the resume, which seems a little out there, but I am a firm believer that everything you do makes a statement. And I remember when I would have interviews and I would have to do assignments for those companies, I would, formatting was a thing that I would put, I would spend time on. I would include their logo at the header and I would design it so that it was visual, visually appealing, but also the content included in those assignments were attractive. Uh, I even remember the company that I joined prior to Amazon, the one that wasn't a great fit. I remember they said that they actually had passed my assignment around to everyone or at least decision makers because they were so impressed with the formatting of it uh, because it's what they're looking at. And so when I see a resume that's, you know, it's, it's over, it, it's going on to two pages when it really should be one, especially if you're fresh out of college I get that you may think that you have a lot of experiences, but really only put the experiences that are applicable to the job that you're applying for. It should not exceed one page. You know, there's executives out there who have one page resumes. I'm sure in college, like, I mean, anyone should really be able to highlight their key uh, experiences and talents on one page. And the... Other things I look at are just the general, I like to, I know it's not as important, but I do like, I do typically look at their majors and I myself judge how hard of a major those might be. So with my, for the, the positions that I hire for, uh, I have account managers. We actually just Yesterday, received the signed offer letter from our first ever software programmer who's going to be working with my business partner. But 
to me to somehow sniff out the raw talents and intelligence, but also the grit is what's important to me. I would rather see someone who went, I don't care what school you went to, honestly, but I want to see that you're, you're working hard in whatever it is that you're doing. And so if you have a mediocre GPA and what I would consider a not extremely difficult uh, space, then I'm probably going to overlook those resumes. Um, Whereas if I have someone who studied business marketing and has a minor in mathematics, I'm going to be intrigued and want to speak to that candidate. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, um, yeah, showing ways that you kind of go above and beyond. um, So when you're in school, Mm -hmm. finding ways that you can build your portfolio you know, yes, you're doing the assignments, but you're also showing ways that you're you're a little bit different than everybody else because um, there's a lot of steep competition in order to get a job. And so, um, anything that you can do to stand apart from the fray, I think, is important to try and do and and to show some entrepreneurship, show something, a project that you um, ideated and came up with, and just to show sort of samples of your work, especially if you're early on in your career and you don't. You maybe don't have as many portfolio samples as somebody who's been out of there, out in their career for five years. Exactly. Well, and the other thing that I do on my job listings is I actually, even if it's on a job board, I put a how to apply section. And so I know if they are really hungry and they want the job, my email is in that job posting. So they can email me personally and express their excitement for it where if it's just coming through one of the job boards and then I likely know that they're probably just applying blanketly to a bunch of positions yeah and so for example I have a a woman who just graduated college she's starting with me on Monday and one thing that impressed me about her is she had found me on LinkedIn Uh, She had sent me a note on LinkedIn expressing how excited she was to speak with me. Um, Unfortunately, the the initial phone interview we had scheduled, I was sick. I never get sick, but this is just one of those one-off days uh, where I just was not coming into the office. And she had still called the office. And one of my account managers had picked up the phone and had said that Laura's not in today. She's not well. And she had gone back to her LinkedIn and sent a note being like, hey, I spoke with Kylie and I found out that you're not feeling well. I'm so sorry. Um, I hope you feel better and look forward to connecting when you're back in the office. And little things like that go a very long way. And I understand that you don't always know the person you're interviewing with. But my advice is when you really want a job somewhere, LinkedIn is honestly one of the best tools that you can possibly have at your fingertips. And sending those simple notes goes a long way. But then, um, and even as soon as you find out who you're interviewing with, I would find them on LinkedIn and send them a note and express how excited you are. And if you have any original ideas that you maybe want to talk about in your interview, the company that I went to after Amazon, I knew I was going to get that job because they really wanted Amazon on as a client. 
But the other thing that you have to under that I think is important for candidates to understand in the interviewing process is it's not just about are you going to get the job or not? It's are you going to get the job and how much are they going to pay you for or for you to do that job? And so that other company I went to after Amazon, my first interview in person, I was not told this, I was not required to do this, but I had studied their business model and what they were doing. And I had taken experience that I had at Amazon in a subcategory within the ad tech space that they were not taking advantage of. And I had a mini business proposal built out in PowerPoint that I presented to the president of that company in my first ever interview. And I knew, I, like I said, I, I was pretty confident I was going to get that job because I was connected to that position and, and that company through networking. But I think that is why when I moved to that job, they doubled my salary from Amazon is that they were like, whoa, not only do we want her, but we are going to pay whatever it takes to get her. Oh, I love that. I always do what I call a leave behind. So exactly what you're saying, you go and you do some free work on behalf of the company. Um, No strings attached, but it's something that you bring to your interview and, and you're showing how incredible of a candidate you are and how they need you. So I think that that was, um, I think that's so smart. And if people Mm -hmm. do that, I think that their success with getting hired will be very high. Um, They're going to get a lot of offers um, by going through that approach. And, And it just shows that you're the person who, who both wants the job and you're the first kind of person who's going to go above and beyond once you get the job. So I think that's a win win to spend the extra time doing that. Exactly. And I mean, even something as simple of say you're interviewing for a sales position and you are going to, you have to give a mock presentation of their product. So the first thing to understand, and I can give a lot of advice for sales interviews specifically, but you really need to go into that with the same professionalism and the same mindset as if you were pitching a client. And that can be as something as simple as asking them what their coffee preferences are the day before and show up to the mock pitch with their coffee order and treating them like they are the client that you're really trying to win over. Because in many ways, once you're hired, you'll be selling their product. But in that interview, you're selling yourself. So you have to do small little things to ensure that you can connect with them because they are looking at you from an objective standpoint of what are your qualifications and so forth. But personality and culture is just as important. Oh, that's so smart. I hope people are taking notes on this because I think that that, um, that's a win-win. I think that's a really creative way to approach it. Yeah. So tell us, tell us how you're sort of kicking ass in your day-to-day and then also how we can find you. In terms of how we're kicking ass, I mean, like I said, there's peaks and valleys, (laughs) Uh, but what I am most proud of, of what we're doing right now, well, there's a few things, of course, but we are gaining bigger and more amazing clients, which is really exciting. Uh, we have some amazing clients actually start in or starting in August, which I'm very, very excited about. Um, we have a really large fashion company coming on and today, later In about two hours, I have a call with an amazing indie beauty brand that's based out of LA that we're starting with, but they already do 
according to my Google search, close to 45 to 50 million in revenue. So they're a substantial, that's a significant client for us at this point. Uh, but the other thing that I am extremely geeking out over is we are now building out our own technology platform, both for our account managers as well as our clients. And I, when, I, when I envision, envision, right, um, I always wanted to start it off as a service business because that is how we were able to get cash flow to be to the point we are at now without having to take external funding. And now we're at the point where we have enough revenue and our projections are at the point where we can now start building, we can start building our own proprietary tech. And I think that is how we're going to set ourselves apart from our competitors and also make ourselves just infinitely more valuable to our clients. Because at the end of the day, I don't even really care what competitors think of us. I care about what my clients think of us and what an opportunity to have them all as my focus group <laughs> when building up this technology platform to help brands sell better on Amazon. How incredible. So yeah, tell us how we can find you. Uh, and ways you can find me. Uh, so our website is www.envisionhorizons.com. Uh, but also feel free to email me personally. My email is laura at envisionhorizons.com. And I'm always happy to meet for coffee, give advice, make connections. I think the more you give to this world, the more you get from it. So always, I'm always about good juju. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Well, Laura, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, it was an amazing opportunity. And uh, thank you again to you and all your listeners. That's it for today. Thank you to Laura for all of her wise words. I love a fellow Laura, especially one who's a kick-ass CEO. Here are today's top takeaways. Number one, take every interview you receive. Interviews don't just go one way. You're also interviewing the company to find out as much as you can about them and if it's a place you'd like to work. You can also learn a lot about different industries if you interview at many different places. Number two, be a shameless networker. The more people you know and build a genuine relationship with, the better. If you're pastoring the keyword is genuine. If you're reaching out to them cold, but in reality, you're just putting yourself out there, and you have to do it. The more you do this, the better. Cold email people on LinkedIn with a genuine interest to learn from them. You have to throw a few irons in the fire to have something that sticks. Number three, format your resume. Everything you do makes a statement. Include a header, design it, make it visually appealing. A resume should be one page. Put your experience on there applicable to the job you're applying for. Laura said she also looks at general majors because hiring managers want to see that you work hard at whatever you're doing. Number four, in that interview, bring an original idea with you. Create original ideas you can talk about in the interview. So Laura studied the company's business model. She took some research from her own experience and identified things that they weren't taking full advantage of and created a mini business proposal that she brought with her in her first interview. Yes, she was confident that she would get the job, but that was her way of leveraging that they would want her so much that they would pay her and double her salary. Number five, come to the interview prepared to pitch yourself. So once you work for that company, you'll be selling their product, but in the interview, that's your chance 
to sell yourself. That's it for today. Thank you for giving this a listen. I'm so excited to chat with you. If you have questions, feel free to click the link on the show notes below this episode and you can send me a voice message, otherwise an email at kickassinyourlife at gmail.com. Visit my site for all the show notes, kickassin.life. Yes, that's a URL. Don't forget to sign up for your free month of Skillshare by kickassinlife forward slash tools forward slash partners. You will find it there. It's all about getting better. It's all about improving. And so if you're stuck in the interview process, I hear you. I created that ebook resource for you, Kickass in Your Career, now live on Amazon to help you. But it's about getting unstuck. It's about doing those things that other people don't do. Laura created that business plan. Laura reached cold, reached out to people on LinkedIn and and wasn't afraid if she was if she would hear back. You have to do the things that people don't do to get noticed and get the results. Be creative. That's it for today. Thank you for giving this a listen. If you like this episode, please rate it, review it, share it. It helps others find it. Find me on Instagram, kickassin.life. So go kick ass in your life. Until next time.